0: This is Soccer City. Over the weekend, the opening of the new U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame in Frisco, Texas. The first Hall of Fame class enshrined at the home of FC Dallas included players Cindy Parlow, Brad Friedel, Tiffany Milbritt, and MLS Commissioner Don Garber. Also on the weekend in Frisco, the 50th anniversary celebration of the North American Soccer League, the league that brought us the Black Pearl, Pelé. Patrick Horn is the head women's soccer coach at Brooklyn College, a Brooklyn guy, and he played in the NASL, and he's the author of the soon-to-be-released book, The Black Pioneers of the North American Soccer League. We'll spend some time with Patrick later in the program. Little-known Sebastian Ibiaga was the USL Defender of the Year in 2017, and his rookie season with New York City FC has exceeded his expectations, and maybe the club's. Sebastian's story coming up shortly. New York City FC slumping just one win in their last nine matches, a 2-0 home victory against the Chicago Fire, which clinched a third consecutive berth in the playoffs. That's the good news. The recent form of the team has been perplexing. The latest setback on Sunday, a a 3-1 loss to D.C. United at the new downtown Audi Field. Just eight minutes into the match at Buzzards Point, Wayne Rooney scored his 11th goal of the season after Luciano Acosta slalomed easily past several New York City defenders for his byline delivery to Rooney. City head coach Dome Tarron. Uh,
1: Acosta seems Maradona or Leo Messi, uh, he, he was able to dribbling five players. That is about attitude. In, 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 my, in my language, is attitude. And... You have to improve, because it's not about tactically, it's not about, uh, I don't know what happened when you play. Because you play uh, one month ago against uh, a and Rooney, and uh, we were able to control uh, both. I don't understand what happened the first 20 minutes. We have a big, big problem when we play uh, away, because... Uh, I say to to them they have to, to play with confidence because they are maybe much better than they think uh, uh, they are.
0: Well, Tyrone made those comments at halftime. Uh, earlier he was describing the 1-1 draw at Yankee Stadium in September when Rooney was held to one shot and Acosta was contained as well. D.C. United just two shots in that entire match. United struck their third shot on Sunday by the 10th minute. Acosta making it 2-0 in the 24th, Rooney completing his brace with a PK in the 74th. David Villa prevented a DCU clean sheet with his 13th finish 12 minutes before time. New York City goalkeeper Sean Johnson, he was lamenting afterward that his side was not ready for the start of the match. The three-week break, no excuse.
2: Yeah, I can't really blame the break. Um, you know, we have uh, 11 guys stepping on the field. Um, prepared to do a job and it just comes down to to us I don't think um, we came out front to back today with with the right uh, intensity to come into a place like this and, and battle from the first whistle right now it's it's tough to, to really look upon anything for for answers or uh, solving problems um, right after um, performance like this
0: and Alex Ring, like Johnson, one of the team leaders of this side, uh, both signing contract extensions recently. And Ring, he was firm but pragmatic in his evaluation after the match.
3: As we know, it's not good enough in this league if you if you sleep the first fifteen twenty minutes, you might um you might get punished like today. Yeah, it's like the coach said. F- we weren't there first fifteen twenty minutes. We didn't play with the confidence we should be playing. With the players that we have, and uh, after we go two-nil down, uh, I think we we played a good game today. After after that, you know, 60, 65 minutes, um, a team that we have, the players that we have, you know, uh, the team hasn't changed, changed uh, from the players from the start of the season. So um, yeah, it's it's up to us players just to you know match match energy, confidence is a part of it in the way you want to play, not playing long go- long balls, but playing our own style. Um, and we started doing that after after we went to nil down today.
0: Still, the road woes continue for New York City FC, and Ring says it's been difficult to find the solution.
3: It's hard to explain uh, the two phases we have: uh, home games and away games this season. Um, we have to get that out of our heads uh, going into the playoffs. Uh, getting good results away is uh, important, like we all remember from last year. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, that's something. We, we have to focus on and uh, get better. at. It's been uh, like that almost through the whole season.
0: The four road wins in 2018 equal the franchise low from the expansion season in 2015. And New York City coming off a year when they had the second best road record in the league. Naturally, a home playoff match in the knockout stage in the MLS playoffs is vital. New York City, 11-1-4 at home. A tie or a win on decision day this Sunday against the Philadelphia Union will clinch the home field advantage for the knockout phase. Regardless, NYCFC Sporting Director Claudio Reyna has an expectation for the playoffs. Being the team we were uh, throughout... Big periods of the season where we we're considered one of the best teams in the league, and you know that's what I look forward to seeing on the field and everybody committing to that. And then at the end of the year, well, when that is, and we know uh, we want it to be in December, uh, we, we'll make all the decisions about the team and 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 2019. December 8th is MLS Cup. The hopes to reach the league pinnacle may firmly rest in the return of 20-year-old midfielder Yangel Herrera. After a near five-month absence from competition, the Venezuelan international logged 18 minutes as a reserve. Six minutes after entering, he assisted on the VIA goal at DC United. His impact was immediate to the delight of Toron and Ring.
1: No, it uh, was amazing. The first, uh, the first three passes was a clever pass and the first pass was uh, we scored a goal uh, after that the quality of our player the beat uh, you know the beat uh, is uh, the beat is able to to score in two seconds but we recovered in the in the first uh, i think five minutes three or four balls and after that they make three amazing passes uh, that is young uh, uh, okay it's not a good uh, it's a good news for us because right now we have R- Rangel, Unfortunately, uh, in the last three months, uh, uh, we didn't have uh, this player. It's, uh, it's not. Or Young Hell we we can play uh, the MLS, no, but we play much better. It's not a secret. Uh, we've been missing missing his uh, his
3: energy. Um, I think he he came on well today. The timing is good, right before the playoffs start. Uh, he's he's physical. We need that's what we we need in. Uh, Midfield, We all know that we can, we can play good with the ball, but sometimes uh, you just need the brutal force and physicality to take over a game, and that's a quality that he has, yeah.
0: Well, Terrell suggested that Herrera will be in the starting 11 when New York City hosts Philadelphia on Sunday at Yankee Stadium. But Before we leave the D.C.-NYC match, I want to take a brief look at Wayne Rooney, England's all-time leading scorer, who is going up against Spain's all-time leader, Villa, on Sunday. Teron said he's been impressed with the former Manchester United player who has taken his new role seriously at D.C.
1: It's good news for the MLS when these kind of players are right here and not around here to, to retire. Uh, the people think about that. or the, This player uh, after Europe uh, come uh, to uh, MLS to retire. It's not true. Uh, Rooney compete every single game like, uh, like, uh, uh, like an animal. And he has a quality to decide uh, one game in two seconds. It's the same the, the David Villa for, for us. It's, it's a good news for the MLS. Uh, with, with this kind of players, decide to play here in the MLS and, and decide to compete. Uh, it's a, is a presti- uh, prestigious for the MLS.
0: Rooney's coach is Ben Olsen, who told SiriusXMFC that Rooney has made his life easy as a manager.
4: It really hasn't changed how I go about managing. Um, uh, and a little bit that's a credit to him. I mean, theres don't get me wrong, you know, if, if a guy like Zlatan walks in the locker room, uh, if um, Thierry Henry walks into the locker room, um, I,
0: I think those are different personalities than, than Wayne. Um, and I think then you are really forced to maybe change who you are as a manager or
4: uh, maybe go outside of your comfort zone. Wayne hasn't made me do that.
0: Rooney's 12 goals and 7 assists in 19 matches has been comforting as well. One of the players given the task of dealing with Rooney on Sunday was central defender Sebastian Ibiaga, the USL Defender of the Year for San Antonio last season and a key contributor for New York City this season. I sat down recently with a 26-year-old born in Nigeria who grew up in Texas. I want to retrace your steps. Personally, your arrival here in New York City FC. Um, first, you went to a university that everybody's uh, well aware of, Duke University, yeah. and played there for four years. And then after that, it was you were in a lot of different places, yeah. some overseas, some back home. Mm-hmm. Um, let's chart that a little bit. So, how did you uh, how did you end up? Uh, I know it was uh, you were in Denmark at a couple of places, and yeah. then also Reykjavik. So, how did that all uh, materialize?
4: Uh, pretty much after. Uh, college, Me and my agent were just talking, and I was a homegrown. I was actually a homegrown for Houston. And at that time, I believe Dominic Kinnear was there. And I, I think my agent just didn't think that would be a good fit at that time. He didn't think I would really, you know, kind of push the envelope and get playing time. So we decided to go to Denmark. Went on a couple trials there. Ended up in Horsens. So played about uh, half a season at Horsens. Our coach got sacked, new coach. New coach came in. And then so then I went out on loan to another team in uh, Fredericia, but the same league. So I ended up playing against my own team like twice. It was weird. <laughs> and then after that season, I went on loan, uh, a loan to purchase it in Reykjavik. Yeah. And so then I was there for another six months, came back home, went back home to Houston. And then they called me in for the little off-season training, trained there, went into preseason and got offered contracts. And I was there for that year but throughout there i went on loan with their usl club rgv and then went on to the nasl team ryo kc yeah so then went back to houston optioned and get picked up so then went to usl team uh, san antonio played there all of last year and then ended up at preseason there this year so that's quite a path (laughs) uh unique i think in the fact that you had some
0: uh, Denmark and uh, Iceland, and then also a little bit in the states. What did you? What did you pick up overseas? What, what were some of the key aspects of that?
4: I think just the tactical side of the game was my biggest pickup from that. I think throughout college and kind of afterwards, a lot of coaches said I was there. I was already there physically, and it was just about you know the game, like the thought put into the game, thinking about it, technical ability, and that's kind of all the things that the Danish. League kind of taught me was just kind of focusing on those as well as my uh, physical like my physicalness and my athletic abilities. And then you had a chance early on in your career
0: that's interesting that you you, you move from one team to the other in the league and now you're playing against your former teammates but you're doing that at a young age that's yeah. that's a challenge.
4: Yeah no for sure I mean there was a lot of emotion in that game. Uh, I think I actually ended up scoring the own goal that game too so it was kind of crazy but no it was, I mean it's all great experiences and a lot of stuff I learned at that age too and I keep those things with me today
0: so homegrown with Houston decide to to move on come back that experience what is it that uh, you think at the time was uh, was holding you back maybe as far as being a first team choice uh, here in this league
4: uh honestly I think it was just my technical and tactical level I just don't think I was there I mean if you look at the center backs that Houston had, we had like guys like Jeff Cameron and stuff like that, who's now a US, you know, mainstay and plays over, plays in England. So we had guys like that, and I just think those guys were just at a different level than I was when I was at 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 my age. And I think that was kind of the big thing. I mean, I think if I would have left college earlier and played, you know, in that system, I think it would have benefited me more. But I mean, I didn't choose that route, so I had to kind of play a little bit of catch up, and so that's kind of what turn me and my agent away from actually going to Houston
0: so you don't regret uh getting that Duke degree I'm sure and uh and at the same time if you're growing as a player a little bit later in life than some then that's still okay
4: yeah yeah for sure I mean yeah like you said I don't regret having a Duke degree in my back pocket and yeah I mean uh, good thing about soccer is there are there are late bloomers and stuff like that and it's all about taking each year you know uh, and taking whatever it gives you and just kind of going with that.
0: What uh San Antonio your USL defender of the year um what what trademarks did you did you bring to that team and that league uh, leading into New York City deciding to contact you? it was Patrick Vieira and his staff at the time yeah. so they must have seen some qualities uh on the technical side I would think yeah. for sure and tactical because there's the certain way that they played and and Domé also wants to play.
4: Yeah, um, I mean, it was a big a big thing with uh, Darren. Darren Powell, who's the coach of San Antonio, he brought me in and pretty much was like, look, we, I know you have the ability to play in MLS. You're not there yet, and I just think this year you, need, you just need to focus and kind of be consistent in everything you do. And that's kind of really what all last year was for me, was just trying to be consistent every single game, play every game, and play well. And that, And that was the big thing that I got from that whole season was that if – it's all about consistency. I mean, if you play one game well, the next one terribly, I mean, you won't start or you won't get as many, you know, games as you want. And that was the biggest thing was just that consistency that I showed, I think, all throughout the year.
0: And then you arrive in New York City. I'm not sure what your expectation was. Uh, Alexander Collins, Maxime Cheneau were, were both here, but it's worked out for a variety of reasons that uh, at times you've won the position. There's been injuries that have given you the opportunity. So has it has it worked out a little bit more favorably than you even anticipated
4: yeah for sure I mean I know coming in I was probably seen as fourth on the you know team sheet with also Cedric who obviously had a bad injury but uh, I think I, I I performed and I think Patrick saw that when he was here and Domi has seen it too and I think they have all the confidence in me to know that if Maxime is out or or Alex is out you know they, they're very comfortable of putting me in there knowing that I'll get the job done and and yeah, a lot of things have happened in my favor this uh, this year, and I'm happy for it. But also, I think I've worked hard for those, you know, for those chances, and I've and I've played to my best of my ability.
0: Talked to Ben Sweat before he left for uh, the U.S. men's national team. His debut may be yep. coming up, and uh, but he mentioned you as well because I I asked him the question: What, why under the radar for so long? Why now at 27? You're 26. Then uh, he mentioned you. Is that? You know, there's a, there's many, many good players out there and, and sometimes they just, for whatever reason, don't get seen. So do you, do you observe what's happened to Ben and say, hey, that could be me?
4: Yeah, no, for sure. I think the roads to where we both are, I think, are kind of similar in a way. I think i have bounced around a little bit more, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, because I saw when I've known Ben for a while, I mean, we were in the U20s together and stuff like that, so I saw him last year, two years ago now, when he was in Tampa, got I mean, got picked up by New York City. And I was like, that's awesome. And then he played a lot of games, played well. And I was like, that's great for him. And I think that's the thing a lot of USL players have in their mind is that, I mean, you can't, we can't make it up here. It's all about getting your chance, but then also taking it. And I think that's kind of what Ben did in his own, in his own way. And now he's obviously might get his uh, first cap for the US. And that's awesome. And I think, yeah, I mean, same thing with me. That's kind of the, kind of the way I want to go as well.
0: taking advantage is the key there because you both really got your chances based on injuries yeah
4: exactly and those injuries as bad as they may be for that person that is your chance to really show even if it doesn't lead to okay getting a starting job it's all about trust and coaches having confidence in you and that's really all that is
0: okay final question most important one what did you do to your hair during the course of this season? You 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 dyed it, and then where did it go now? So what what was what was going on? Is this a midlife crisis or what?
4: No, not at all. If you look at like my Instagram and stuff, last year my hair went. I had braids at one point. I had a huge mohawk. Yeah. It was almost like white, and I cut it all. Yeah, yeah. So like, I just always do crazy stuff with my hair. I think that's that's the way I express myself, and I just kind of just love to do crazy things. And now I've done so much stuff. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna cut it think about what I want to do next, and then go from there. So, yeah. All right. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe you can include me in the advisement committee as to what to do there. I'll ask you next time what to do
4: about it for sure.
0: Well, for the record, uh, Sebastian still has not sought my advice, which is probably a good thing. The Black Pioneers of the North American Soccer League. That's 1968 through 84. It's a book dedicated to the black players from around the world, who made significant contributions to the North American Soccer League, the NASL. One of those pioneers, Patrick Horn. He played for Memphis in 1978, New England in 1979, and he's the author of the book. And he's a New York City guy, and he happens to be the head women's soccer coach at Brooklyn College, where he has spent uh, a bulk of his life. I want to welcome to the program Patrick Horn. Hello, Patrick.
2: Hello, Glenn, and uh, thanks for having me here.
0: Ah, I love the fact that you came in to join us and, and talk about this because my first my first experience watching the game was the North American Soccer League, the Cosmos, in the mid to late 70s and going down to Giants Stadium with my friends. So, uh, you know, the, the NASL is, uh, is warm to my heart.
2: Well, the NASL is really the first legitimate world-recognized outdoor professional league in, in North America. You know, it started in 1968. Um, went to like you said, 1984. It came to it, it peaked its halcyon years of when Pele came in the mid 1970s. Pele came in 1975, stayed until 1977. The league started in the '68, and you had people like uh, Phil Woosnam, who was a former West Ham United player, who came over here and uh, played with the uh, with the, um, the Atlanta Chiefs and became the commissioner. And at some point, and then he hooked up with uh, Clive Toy, who was another English, uh, English. well, uh, Woodham is Welsh. Clive Toy is an English guy. And uh, Clive, um, Clive was, was a broadcaster who came over. He was first in the ASL, the O League, with, with the Baltimore Bays. And then he eventually became um, the um, general manager for the New York Cosmos. And the Cosmos came about because. The Otican brothers, who are Turkish background and are familiar with soccer, uh, figure out, well, you know, because Warner Communications, who they ran, they ran the record industry of, of Warner Communications. And they thought, well, soccer, is, it's growing. It's a good vehicle to, um, you know, to be associated with, you know. So the Warner Communications bought uh, the, the Neo Cosmos. So here comes to- Toy with the Cosmos and there's Wusnam, with the Atlanta Chiefs back in, well, 68. Toy wasn't with the Cosmos until 1970. And they both realized that to get soccer off the ground, you need a big-name player. And the biggest name around, obviously, was the great Pelé. Pelé had retired about two or three years before. And it just so happened that, um, and this is a story, and this is all in the book, because Clive Toy is one of the... The book not only features black players, it features... um, uh, players uh, and administrators who really helped the league to grow. These two guys figured out you need a name, someone like Pelé, someone like a Georgie Best, someone like a Johan Cruyff to build a sport up. It just so happened that Pelé's team, Santos of Brazil, the only team Pelé ever played for, was in Jamaica at the time where Clive Clive Toy was in Jamaica scouting for the Cosmos. Clive met, uh, met him there and spoke to Pelé about coming to the league and his managers, there was no commitment at all. It didn't happen, and this was in, uh, again, about 72 or so, when Clive was part of the Cosmos. It didn't happen until three years after, when eventually they got together in a hotel in Europe, and Pelé agreed to about about $5 million for three years.
0: And Santos had been over playing exhibitions in the United States, and so Pelé was uh, somewhat familiar with the... The United States of America. Well right. What about if we go back to to the sixties and early seventies? Uh, you know, who who are the significant black pioneers? Who are the the players that really you know made that difference? Because late sixties, they're they're dealing. Uh, well, some people would say even now, for sure, dealing with the racial problems right. and you know, being um, maybe admonished uh, by the public because of their skin color.
2: Right. Well, you know. I- <clears throat> The Atlanta Chiefs was um, was in a previous league called, I think, the National Professional Soccer League. And that was, um, um, that was part of the merger that created the NSL. There was the National Professional Soccer League and there was the American Soccer League, um, I, if I can remember the, the, the title. But um, those two merged. When they merged, the Atlanta Chiefs was um, was, um, was coached by um, Wusnam, who was a Welshman from, um, who played for West Ham. And his idea, again, of of, of having the league, he, he tapped into the, the diversity of, of, of the game. And he decided that he would bring players from around the world, kind of like a melting pot type team, so that the Atlanta Chiefs would really appealed to a broad cross-section of um, of, of immigrants and, and Americans here. And he certainly did that. So down in Atlanta, and Atlanta actually was one of the original members of the NASL. They actually won the first NASL title with Woosnam as coach. He brought players from England. He brought players from the Caribbean, and some of the players from the Caribbean was a gentleman called Skill Skill Cole Alan Cole, one of the most skillful players from Jamaica. He was also a very good friend of Bob Marley. Skill Cole. There was uh, Delroy Scott who recently passed away. He was uh, from Jamaica, played for Atlanta. Delroy Scott scored, uh, I think, the third goal when Atlanta beat uh, the Oakland Stompers in the N- in the fourth NASL final. Delroy Scott was gay. There had a gentleman called Carl Lagi. Um, they had quite a few players. Also, um, there's Art Welsh and his brother Asher Welsh. They were also playing in the league down in Atlanta. Some, of those they're among the black players who actually really, you know, started the league, at the NASL. Um, so it, it was it was really interesting. And um, quite a few black players from Africa were with the Atlanta Chiefs as well. Wuznam brought over a gentleman called um, uh, Kaiser Motang. He was from South Africa. He brought over quite a few South Africans because at the time. South Africa was uh, an apartheid state. And those players were not allowed... South Africa was not allowed to play international soccer. So they got no publicity. But the only thing open to them was Wusnam going over in the North American Soccer League went over there and brought a lot of those players over. So one of the guys that came over was Kaiser Motang. Interesting story, too. He was the first rookie of the NSL, and uh, he played with Atlanta for the first three years, went to Colorado. But today... Kaiser Mutang is a very rich guy in South Africa because Kaiser, what he did was he played with the Kaiser Chiefs in Johannesburg. He came over, played in the U.S., and he took a lot of the marketing uh, skills Locking and marking ah. ideas, because mm-hmm. his name is the name of his team was the Kaiser Chiefs. <laughs> he named it after the Atlanta Chiefs. Uh, and again, I'm getting, Kaiser, a, I'm getting a feel
0: for what your inspiration yeah, to yeah, write the yeah. book is, because you don't want these players to be forgotten.
2: They shouldn't be forgotten. They played a major role in the league here, <laughs> and and what I tried to do is capture. They all have a different story and a different interesting story tied to the North American Soccer League. So you had Kaiser Matang. The Cosmos, when Pele came, he recommended a play called Jomo Sono, from, uh, f- also from uh, from Johannesburg. Uh, Jomo Sono was a hell of a player.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and and um, Pele brought over Carlos Alberto, the, the great Brazilian thing who has since uh, recently passed away. Yeah. yeah. Right. So uh, there, were, there were quite a lot of players who came over, but uh, the Atlanta Chief well, brought over quite a few players. What is a, What is your story, Patrick? My story is well, I you know, I was at um I was a player at Southern Law University, uh, via New York. I came to here, I came to New York from Saint Vincent the Grenadines when I was fifteen years old. And if you come from the island, it's cricket and football. So I played a lot of uh, football or soccer, as we say it, because cricket was not a prominent sport at the time. So I played high school at Tillian High School in Brooklyn. And I was, was pretty good, made the PSL All-Star team, got a scholarship, went out to the Midwest. The sc- I went to two schools. Ottawa University was the first school I went to, but it was an in, in, NAI school. I wanted to get into the NCAA. So I transferred right. to Southern Illinois University. Yeah,
0: very familiar with it.
2: When I got to Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, you won't believe who was my assistant coach there. Pat McPride. Pat McPride was uh, a former St. Louis University champion, and he was the first American to be drafted because he plays with the St. Louis Stars. Right. St. Louis Stars was the team in the NSL. Before the NSL, they were with the NPSL. Pat McPride was the first American-born player, black or white, to be drafted in a professional league, and he was drafted by that previous NPSL play- team. And when the Stars went into um, the... Um, and in the NSL, Pat McPride was there, and he's one of the few players that was never traded because, you know, I, I, there was a lot of instability among the teams, and they were trade players for different reasons and so on. McPride was never traded from the um, St. Louis Stars. And of course, um, McPride was my assistant coach at St. Law University. So I used to hear all the stories, and um, I, I aspired, I always wanted to be a professional anyway, but here I was being coached by someone who was playing in the league at the time. Because I went to SIU from 1970, 1972 to 1975, right when the league was just starting. I remember I was a senior in 75 when Pelé came. Uh, so I, I, get, I, get, I used to get a lot of stories from Pat McBride. He was an inspiration.
0: Thanks to Patrick Horn, his new book, The Black Pioneers of the North American Soccer League. And that'll do it for Soccer City. Next week, a special guest, the voice of American soccer, J.P. Della Camera, who's got a number of stories to share with us. You don't want to miss it. Our next NYCFC match, Decision Day. This Sunday, the boys in blues versus Philadelphia. Airtime, 4:15 for the pregame with Dome Toral. I'm Glenn Crooks. Have a great week of soccer.